This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. If you've ever wondered what a presidential campaign surrogate does, this is the show for you. We chat with Hamdi Mohammed, campaign surrogate for Joe Biden in South King County. We talk about the state of the race and what we can be doing here in Blue State, Washington to help win in November. That is next, so stay with us. Hey, everybody. So with the presidential race in its final stages, Joe Biden, of course, cannot be everywhere. And so the campaign has brought on high level figures to represent him in specific capacities across the country. These people are called surrogates. And we are very lucky to have one with us now. Hamdi Mohammed was named the South King County Organizing Director for the Washington Biden Harris campaign. Those of you in state and local politics will recognize our friend Hamdi uh, from her role as Deputy District Director and Constituent Services Director and also campaign manager for the amazing Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal. She currently works for King County as a policy advisor. We're so lucky to have her. Hamdi, hello. How are you? Hi. Thank you for having me. And hello to everyone who is watching us. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time to do this uh, because you're in an interesting and unique position right now. I will just ask you before we get into the nitty gritty, uh, how's the Biden campaign going here in Washington? What are you hearing from voters? I think it's going really great. Um, Folks are really excited to be energized and to get out there. And um, everyone, I think, understands what is at stake right now and understands that we are fighting to save our democracy. And so folks are calling me and trying to figure out how they can join phone banks, how they could get activated and and participate um, in this election. Well, I want to get to a lot of those opportunities in just a second. I will just ask you to check my math on my introduction here. Did I get it right? What is the specific definition of a campaign surrogate? It can mean a couple. There's different roles that surrogates play. There's some folks who are, you know, um, doing large events and helping out with the fundraising part of the work. And there's others who are helping out with the field efforts, you know, that is making sure that, you know, people are participating in um, phone banking and making calls and they're, they are part of uh, the field strategy, um, the organizing strategy. And so it, it depends on the person and the different role and the team that they're, they're, they're working with. So for me, I am um, part of the organizing team and it's a volunteer role. I work full time at the county. And so um, this is what I do on my free time. <laughs> <laughs> you have free time? Unbelievable. How's, what's Certainly that like? Yeah. <laughs> I ended up being the South King County Organizing Director for the Biden-Harris. And so what I am trying to do and our team is doing is helping energize supporters, encouraging people to get out and vote. We are hosting online phone banks. That means, you know, leading trainings when, when folks uh, jump on on those calls. We are in a different time. We are in the middle of a pandemic. Normally, what organizers, field organizers would do is go out, go door to door and talk to voters. Um, But because we are, you know, we understand the seriousness of this pandemic, we're trying to social distance. And so all of our efforts have been online. And so, you know, what what we've been doing is trying to get more people on those Zoom calls, um, getting them trained up, uh, making those confirmation calls and text messages. And um, yeah, and so what I do is I try to find community leaders. For instance, this Saturday, we have a phone bank. And so there's about six community 
leaders who I identified, who is going to co-host with me a phone bank on Saturday, and we will be calling into battleground states and letting folks in those states understand how important it is for them to participate this year. We've been seeing Pete Buttigieg do a lot of the surrogate work. I'm not going to ask you any of those sorts of questions because I know that that's not the the level of representation that you're you're here to do. But I will just kind of ask you generally. It is a foregone conclusion that Washington will go for Biden. So how do you see, in addition to the things that you just laid out and the, the volunteer efforts that you're talking about, how do you see our state's role in his campaign right now in getting him up and over in the way that we need to on November 3rd? Yeah, no, I think that that's a great question. And while we know our state is going to go blue, um, we, in fact, I feel like have a bigger responsibility because we know that to make sure that we um, are spending more time in calling those battleground states and supporting his campaign and ensuring that, you know, people in other states know what is at stake right now and that we do whatever it is that we can to encourage them to get out and, 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 and vote. For instance, I'm, you know, a Somali, I speak Somali fluently. I have been even talking to voters in um, Minneapolis, right, in Minnesota, and um, been talking to them in, 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 in language and um, been connecting with um, ethnic media in, in that state to let them know that, look, like we have to get out and vote this year, you know? And so just because you're in a safe state does not mean our country is safe, you know? And so I think that is what folks who are in those safe states cannot take this lightly and and sleep on this campaign. This is the time for us to do even more. That is so cool what you're doing, reaching out to the uh, Somali communities uh, in, in Minneapolis. I will ask you something that might be specific to us here in Washington, and you're uniquely uh, situated to uh, respond to this question, I think, because you are someone who both works for a very progressive congresswoman, Congresswoman Jayapal, and now you're working for the Biden campaign. And we, we know that a certain number of progressives recognize the necessity of a Biden win without necessarily being excited about him. How are you getting progressives excited about Biden? Yeah, so... I love Congresswoman Jayapal. We all <laughs> and do. Was, yeah. <laughs> was her campaign manager and was her deputy district director. But now I'm at the county working for the county executive's office of equity and social justice. Um, but people still think I work for Jayapal. Oh, no, no. The reason why I was saying that is because she is a very progressive uh, yes. congresswoman. And, you know, a, a lot of people, progressives, obviously love her. Um, yes. Not as much. Uh, it's not as much of a natural fit with Biden. And so given your experience with the congresswoman and then the work yeah. that you're doing now, I'm just kind of curious how you thread that needle in terms of messaging for progressives to really get them excited about, uh, about uh, Joe Biden. Absolutely. I was just making the clarification. Sure, sure. But yeah, you are you're right. Um, and I, you know, have even talked to a lot of Bernie supporters, right? I supported Bernie and um probably have a Bernie book somewhere there nearby. You old. <laughs> 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 um, and so look, I think um what we have to understand is after Biden got the nomination, Biden created a series of um, unity task forces that um, basically were charged in finding common ground with uh, Senator Bernie Sanders' campaign across like a number of issues. That was climate change, um, that was uh, economic education issues, healthcare, immigration, and the, you know, that process has pushed Biden's agenda to the left, and particularly 
really on on climate change. And then and then when you look at his transitional team and the staff, you know that that's part of that. There they are a lot of um, members or you know staff members who work for really strong progressives like Congresswoman Jayapal, her chief of staff works on that that team, as well as uh, uh, Senator Warren. And so, you know, I think uh, for progressives, you know, we, we understand what is at stake here. And we know that we are fighting for the soul of our country. And um, that's where the focus needs to lie. And I, and I think most progressives do understand that. And, and I would say all of them do. <laughs> I hope you're right. I really, really do. So, yeah. So focus on the platform. Uh, talk about his likely cabinet. Uh, certainly talk about his transition team. Those are all terrific talking points. I will also ask you, because you are you know, very much still involved with politics here at the state level, we recognize that there is so much at stake at the state level here in Washington, mm-hmm. from Secretary of State to Superintendent of Public Schools to just a host of legislative races up and down the ballot. Indivisible groups are pushing very hard right now to get people to fill out their whole two-sided ballot. I think, you know, there's a tendency for some uh, low propensity voters to just come in and be like, okay, I've, you know, I've, I've inked in for Biden and we want to get people to, to fill out the whole ballot. How are you messaging around that? Yeah, no, I cannot, um, you know, thank you for that question. It is so important. It is something that I talk to our community members about all the time. Those initiatives that are on the ballot are so important. So it's it's really important that people are understanding and taking the time to understand what is all on the ballot, like you have probably heard in others. Um, all politics is local, right? Like I would say um, all government is local, right? There is so much that can happen on the local level. And it is, you know, it's so important that we we not only are having conversations about the presidential election, but that we also talk about those ballot initiatives. And often what happens is the presidential races will, you know, overshadow what is happening at home. And for me, what I do is, you know, whenever I'm talking about the presidential race, it goes hand in hand. I talk about, you know, the important ballot initiatives that we have right here, for instance, um, Charter Amendment Number 6, mm-hmm. that would, you know, transform um, how, it, you know, King County Council would, would engage with the sheriff's office it would put things in place like making sure like if our police um if there's a 911 call that we have medical health professionals social workers responding to those calls and not armed officers and so you know that sort of those sort of conversations are just so important for us to have and you know especially in in the time that we're in right now where we're seeing such a large movement for racial justice um we have a really important ballot uh, ballot initiative on there and so it's important that you know we are talking about that you also are a strong proponent of uh, char- so it's yes on charter amendment 6 you're a strong proponent of uh, proposition 1 as well i'll give you a chance to talk about that that is the harborview bond measure tell us a little bit about that yeah i think the harborview bond measure proposition 1 it makes i mean we are in the middle of a pandemic today, right? And we need our healthcare system to be operating well. Um, Harborview plays a, a such a vital role in that. And if approved, the 20-year bond would provide health and safety improvements at Harborview. Um, that's including increasing healthcare uh, capacity, especially um, you know in light of COVID-19, where people are coming into Harborview seeking assistance. It would update and expand the modern uh, infection. Uh, 
uh, control standards, um, and it would expand behavioral health services in um, a new facility that would provide low-cost, effective alternatives to recovery and hospital stays to better serve um, underrepresented uh, communities. And so it is a really important measure. Our local unions are in support of it. Um, you know, the, the uh, King County Council members all, all support it and the county executive as well. And so it is a measure that has um, enormous support. The MLK Labor Council is in support of it. And so I encourage people to go on harborviewproposition1.com and learn more about it or info.kingcounty.gov uh, um, and, and learn about it. And, and the cool thing is, is if you go on King County elections, um, you can look up bond measures and ballot initiatives and you will see um, where the, the, who, you know, who was, uh, who wrote the, the, the initiative, um, how many people were in support of it, our elected officials who have been in support of it. And it'll even give you the two-sided arguments that, you know, people have written on. And also there are phone numbers that are included there where you can call somebody and say like, hey, can you tell me more about this, this, this bond measure or this initiative? And I want to learn more about it. And so um, there's a lot of great information out there. I think a lot of the times what happens is people just don't know where to find it or we're not in conversation. And so, like I said, um, you know, politics is, is local. And so we got to keep talking about those things. I will have that information for listeners and viewers in the show notes. I will also point out that Proposition one, correct me if I'm wrong, needs a 60 percent margin to pass. Is that correct? So we really have to push on this one. Absolutely. It does need 60%. That's over 200,000 votes. And um, yeah, it, it's it's a really important one. And um, the, the good thing is about, you know, local elections and bond measures and initiatives that happen, um, unlike presidential races, you don't need as many votes, you know? And so um, locally, if you're participating, you can help pass really important initiatives and, and, and help us move forward on really important issues by you, you know, voting on it, unlike some of the, the presidential matters. Right. Yeah, this is uh, this is direct democracy, not indirect democracy. Uh, before I let you go, speaking of which, uh, I know that you have been doing work to encourage people to fill out the census. And then on Wednesday, the Supreme Court ruled that the census will stop counting today, Thursday. We are recording Thursday the 15th. What are your thoughts on this decision and what do you think the impact will be? Yeah, I mean, it's really disappointing that that happened. Um, again, we are in the middle of a pandemic. It has been really difficult to engage uh, residents and to help them uh, get counted. And so, you know, having that extended time would have helped assure that we get the right count in our community. And, um, you know, what we've seen is a lot of the times those folks who are undercounted are renters. Um, they are uh, folks who are part of uh, the black community, black population is, you know, always undercounted if you look at uh, 2010's uh, census. And so, and, you know, um, while I can't say exactly what the outcome is going to be, but when communities are undercounted, that means we are not going to get the appropriate resources from the federal government to, 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 to that community. Um, and, you know, that is like, 
we're talking about education resources from the federal government that is you know our hospitals our roads things like that are are impacted which is why you know we were in such a support of having that extended time there are you know it's i think it's 900 billion dollars um that is is on the line critical services that uh the federal government 900 uh billion that is uh gets allocated to states and communities um that that support like i said really critical stuff like building our roads funding our healthcare system supporting our education system and so um it it, it worries me currently uh cities like SeaTac, uh, South King County, uh, cities in South King County are um, areas that were undercounted, and we were working really hard to make sure those communities were counted. Recently, I partnered with um, organizations in South King County, and um, you know, we even we were trying to. It was like a, a census day for action where we encouraged the community to come out, but we also attached um, incentives to it. So we provided over 200 boxes of of uh, fresh produce, as well as personal care supplies. And, you know, we had, we gave all that, those items out and people got information about, you know, how they should be counted. But, um, it, and so we were pushing really hard to make sure these next few weeks that we did everything we can to ensure that community gets counted. And it does worry me. I worry a lot for South King County. Um, we are part of those, th that community that gets undercounted. And I think there was a lot more we could have been could have done and we needed those extra times every extra day mattered yeah i mean it's 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 just such a it's a it's a terrible ruling and a terrible turn of events i will just say for anybody listening if you happen to be listening live here right now uh i know that all of our listeners uh, have likely filled out the census already but maybe post on social media and let other people know that it's ending today so try to to do, give it one last push if you can before i let you go um i'm just going to ask you to weigh in on something and maybe give a little bit of a rah-rah uh, pitch here it has been a long four years i don't need to tell you that and uh, people are feeling i the, the thing that i get from people is they're they're simultaneously feeling exhausted and also like they're doing everything they can but it's not enough what would you say uh, at this stage of the game with what do we have 20 something days left to go? What, what are you saying to people to keep them going right now? Yeah, you know, I took a deep breath in and a deep breath out. You know, there it is difficult. I'd be lying if I said I didn't wake up at times and feel exhausted. Um, but at the same time, I take inspiration from people in this fight with me, folks who are fighting to protect our, our, our environment, our, you know, who are fighting for climate change, um, immigrant rights issues. And um, I take inspiration from those who you are in this fight with and understand that, you know, uh, the fight to save our democracy is not a sprint, it's a marathon you know, organizing and being out in the community and working with your community and trying to bring real change to the to this country, bringing real change to the county, um, to your neighborhood is it's it's a marathon. It's a consistent fight. Um, it's something that, you know, you have to be able to dedicate your life to. And I, you know, I take inspiration from great leaders in our, in our community, folks like Congresswoman Jayapal inspire me, AOC inspires me, um, locally organizations like the Northwest Immigrants Rights inspire me, who have, here, here. 
you know, who've successfully sued the Trump administration. You know, we have so many really, you know, great people, especially um, in in the Northwest. We have such great organizations and people who are doing um, important work. So I, you know, I say lean on each other, support each other, and just know that it is important for you to also take a break. I am a big supporter of mental health and taking care of your mental health. Um, as a black woman, I know um, it is not easy having conversations about mental health. It is a stigma in our community and something that we work on addressing. And so lately I've been telling people, I got a therapist, you know, and I, and I take care of my mental health and I try to find um, professionals to support me in in whatever way and i know not everyone has the privilege to do that and so find find those people in your your circle who you can share um difficult moments with and and breathe meditate um no matter if you're muslim atheist doesn't matter who you are what, what religion you believe in or what 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 your spiritual um space may be but just learn to be still so um yeah i can't, I can't emphasize that. <laughs> <laughs> Learning to be still is one of the hardest things that uh, one of the biggest challenges that I've ever faced as a human being. And I meditate and I'm terrible at it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so take inspiration from the people uh, around us. And boy, do we have an extraordinary collection of, of people uh, here in, in Washington uh, that we are lucky to have. You are very much one of them. And, and I just can't thank you enough for coming on today and, and spending the time. And yeah, Hamdi Mohammed, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you to all the listeners and thanks for creating this platform. Um, I love and appreciate all of you. Thank you again to Hamdi Mohammed. As you can tell, I had a little audio trouble there at the end, but that will do it for today. Thanks to Alex Fair for his help. Our website is indivisiblepodcast.org and our email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative Inc. and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Thanks this week to Catherine Fice Sears. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.